episode of Mike Adelic. I'm your host, Mike Brancatelli. Thanks for joining me. And thank you to everybody who leaves nice ratings and reviews on iTunes and supports the show on Patreon. Thank you so much uh, to all you guys. And uh, yeah, welcome back. Thanks for joining me. And um, I think this episode I want to talk about, you know, I guess May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, it seems like there's a, a new month or a new awareness for, for everything. But, uh, you know, um, it's definitely it's definitely important. You know, mental health is definitely something that is extremely important. Um, you know, and I, I just don't think that, like, necessarily, quote-unquote, bringing uh, awareness to it in a cute, like, you know, packaged-up little month that we can... Only in May we'll talk about mental health because now we have a mental health awareness month, so that's relegated to that time period. But I mean, I guess, you know, overall it's good. I guess it's good that more people, maybe more people are, are, are kind of coming out and talking about mental illness a little bit more. Um, and, and I think it's a very, very important thing to talk about because what, what, what are we talking about? Of course, there's people that suffer from severe, debilitating uh, mental illnesses. We, we've all seen them maybe on the streets of New York or in other places. Maybe we have family members. I know I do. Um, and, uh, you know, you see what that, that looks like firsthand. So... There's, there's that level of kind of severe mental illness, something very, very serious, you know, schizophrenia and, uh, you know, there's, of course, uh, all kinds of, of uh, newer ones now with uh, the rise of autism happening and everything. And, um, you know, I don't necessarily know is that I don't know if that's necessarily considered a mental illness. I feel like that might be something that I might catch some backlash where like, oh, it's not a mental illness. It's a whatever it's a disability or something okay fine but whatever it is whatever the the case may be there's a rise in illnesses sicknesses diseases and you know what happens is they just kind of become normalized as these things that just occur well how do they occur where do they where do they occur from and you know i mean we could even throw cancer in there and, and heart disease and all these things although we have more information now knowing kind of what leads to maybe causing cancer and what leads to causing heart disease, you know, food and chemicals and all and certain things like that. So it's good. We have more information, but we need more information about other things. And we need to ask why, why a lot more. You know, we talk about mental health and mental health awareness. And I'm somebody that is, uh, you know, someone that suffers from uh, what what we would call you know depression it's it's a form of depression but why you know what, what is there something wrong with me as an individual in my particular brain chemistry you know possibly maybe that 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 could be part of it but what is the environment doing around me to contribute to that as well and i think that's that's a big factor and when we're talking about mental health and, uh, and mental health awareness, you know, and I love the fact that there's, it seems like every day more and more breaking news is happening with psychedelic drugs being, uh, be, being approved for further testing, people getting funds to, to research them. MAPS just got a big one from Dr. Bronner's, uh, and, um, is it, was it Dr. Bronner's? Yeah. And so, you know, there, it's it, why why are people suffering from depression, anxiety, stress, you know, all these kinds of lower on the totem pole, I guess, uh, mental illnesses, but mental illnesses nonetheless. And, you know, we, we, ta- we have a tendency to just kind of look at the person and say, oh, well, there must be something wrong with you. And therefore, you need to take some kind of pill to assist you in something uh, that you're lacking. 
when in reality i think that's not the, not necessarily the case in reality i think that the a lot of people suffering from anxiety stress and depression uh is because we live in what i've heard uh dr gabor mate um say is a toxic culture you know a toxic culture something is wrong with the entire way that we live. It's not just the economic system. It's not just the the state, the government. It's not just the corporations. It's not just religions. It's the entire, it's the human psyche. It's it's our individual human psyches. It's what what we choose to believe and we choose to accept and how we, you know, how we let our kind of neuroses, uh, neuroses take over and project outward onto the world until more, you know, and then that kind of feeds into other people doing that as well. And of course, like I said, there's the biological aspect of it as as well. And I'm no, you know, I'm not an expert on this, but I'm just somebody who's figuring this out for myself and doing a little bit of research on these things because being somebody that well, I was I was I had a lot of anger and a lot of rage as a child, uh, as a, as a uh, especially as a teenager, and it's and where did that come from? You know, I I I often wonder where where did it come from? So I've been answering those questions over the years. I've been investigating into my own condition, to my own mind, uh, and and trying to find out why why i uh lose my temper so quickly why i get angry why i would why did i uh, break things and and act out and be violent you know um and then to this day and you know i i turn i, I it appears that i had turned that violence in on uh, on myself and that kind of turned to like depression but i you know as far back as i can remember you know there's a couple other things associated with it but as far back as i can remember I really, really detested the fact that I had other people, other beings, you know, <laughs> telling me what I could and could not do. And, you know, those came in the form of, of parents. And I didn't, I just didn't respect my parents. And I didn't respect them because they didn't really respect themselves. And uh, that rubs off on on kids, you know. And it's not like they're not, you know, terrible people or anything like that. They're just people that... You, they didn't know that that's if you act a certain way in front of a child that the child kind of picks up on these certain kinds of emotions and whatnot, and then it leaves a real impact. You know, it leaves a real impact on you. But I just didn't have any respect for them. So when they told me that I couldn't do something, I just told them no, and I just did it anyway. And I didn't like the I didn't like being told that I had to go to school and that I had to sit in a desk, you know, in a chair all day, right? And because I didn't like this kind of system that I was being uh, programmed into, because I resisted it, people, the, the general response, the unanimous response among all adults, all quote unquote authority figures in my circle when I was a teenager, you know, 14, 13, 14, was, well, clearly something's wrong with this kid. He's out of control. He won't let, you know, it was all me. What what was wrong with me? There's got to be something. It's got to be me, right? It's it, it has to be this 13-year-old child who's only been on earth for 13 years watching adults do things and then finally trying to do them himself. It must be his fault, not the fault of the society that has been created by the people that have been here before him, by the teachers that are supposedly trying to, you know, teach him during the day, by his parents who are supposed to you know, no, none of the blame was looked at there. It was like, well, there's something must be wrong with this kid, which I think is completely insane. We we birth kids into the world and we birth them into this shitty system that we've created, this horrible anti-human, you know, factory farm uh, that we live in, and and we get mad at them. Well. No, we should maybe we should listen to them because maybe they're the ones that are right. Maybe they're the ones that are pointing out solutions and and ha- actually have uh, an idea about what's really going on and how life maybe should be lived. I, I really didn't like being kidnapped 
and told that I had to go to this school all day to learn these stupid subjects that they wanted us to learn and sit in the chair. You know, so if I couldn't sit in a chair and if I couldn't, uh, you know, regurgitate the information that they wanted me to, although I could actually, that was the thing. It's that's, that's really, I mean, like, that's why I just got C's and B's across the board because I would just do the bare minimum and then, you know, cram everything and then regurgitate it all out and then forget it because it didn't matter. But the, the, the diagnosis was like, well, clearly he can't focus. And so like so many kids my age, we were just prescribed Adderall. We were just prescribed, like, just take ear, take Adderall. Basically, this chemical that is a, a chemical compound, this substance that is pretty much identical to methamphetamine. That's what we're giving kids. Something's wrong with the kid. The, the 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 human life, the beautiful human life is born and, and ushered into this magical world of rich life and diverse life and and you know just beauty and wonder in this physical realm. And we tell we say, hey, look, we got a game going on here, kid, and you gotta fall in line to this game. Otherwise, there's you know, otherwise we're gonna drug you up, we're gonna medicate you, we're gonna something's gonna happen. You're gonna we're going to we got to control you we got to control the kids because the kids they they the ones that resist we can't make them resist cuz we, we got to fit them into our our system our game and have it's from birth you're born into a hospital and you know you're in this weird room and yeah right right then and there you're you're here you're given like a social security number and you know all this stuff and you're on the grid baby <laughs> you're on the grid and you're just in this you're in the game you're in this matrix game that was created before you and you're not really allowed to um you're not really allowed to challenge it until you've already been screwed up for 18 years pretty much you know, you're, no one takes you seriously really until they've already tried 18 years of 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 fucking you know brainwashing you and indoctrinating you and hypnotizing you, drugging you. Then they say, "Okay, you got something to say," <laughs> and like you know, but that that is that is the way that it felt for me, and it was really. It was really strange because I, like I, I, I was given Adderall when I was like maybe fourteen years old, and you know I, I took it and I, and I, I liked it because it was like a stimulant. I was like, holy shit, this is, I mean, it was you know it's like meth. I've done meth. I know what it's like. <laughs> it's just like Adderall. And so. Yeah, it was just being hopped up on that stuff. I remember, you know, being like uh, a freshman in high school and, you know, just taking it like all the time because I really liked the, the stimulant effect it gave. But then again, there were really bad side effects too. Like I would get sweaty and uh, just, you know, maybe sometimes have heart palpitations. When I noticed like when I was smoking weed on it, I would – my my high was different. I didn't like the high I was getting on weed with when I was on Adderall. Um, it really like made my like dick like shrivel up a lot. That was that that sucked. It it made me all like sucked in and like clammy, you know, like a like a junkie, like a like a fucking meth, like a meth head, like all like just tweaking and like shriveled up and tweaking. <laughs> As but like there was some there was something that was like really kind of nice about the 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 stimulant high that I got from from doing Adderall and of course I started like you know I started to kind of like abuse it as well I just I just looked at it as like when I was prescribed Adderall I just looked at it as like okay well I'm already trying to you know my my family life wasn't good so I'm like trying to escape here and not be home as much as possible and when I'm not home I'm going to smoke weed and I'm going to drink and I'm going to, you know, just do, do anything really. And then I just saw Adderall as another thing to add to that equation. 
So we would like crush them up and snort them, you know, before we were going out. Take ecstasy, Adderall, like 99. And that's just like, there's no way that that's good for a fucking 14-year-old developing brain to be doing. You know, sure, like, you know, kids are going to drink, kids are going to have, you know, start smoking weed at a young age. But to be prescribing them essentially meth because they're they can't because because you they can't deal with some bullshit like school system that we have, we've created these these rules that we impose on children we treat the we treat children like they have no rights like they're like they're they're like Alan Watts says like uh, they're they're human beings in training they're candidates for human beings like we shouldn't treat them like that we should we should treat children on an individual basis of intelligence and and uh respect them in a in a in a proper way you know just because a kid is just because there's a bunch of 11 year old kids doesn't mean that they're all at the same maturity level and the same intelligence and whatnot there's and so i think this kind of arbitrary way of like determining where a child's at and their maturity level and when they can contribute to society and when they can actually be trusted to like do things on their own and stuff like that. It's, it varies. I think it varies a lot because I, I felt like I was capable and I know I was capable of doing things a lot, doing a lot of things on my own and making a lot of decisions, but I was being held back by restrictive uh, parents and authority figures that wanted to, you know, tell me to calm down, relax, sit down, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, so from the way, the way that I've always seen the world is that I came here as this free spirit, as this, as this being of love and light and energy and oneness and just ready to just let's, let's dance. Like, let's play, like, let's, ha- let's, let, let's make this good. And then I just felt like I was being confined and restricted and forced into, you know, kind of a one size fits all industrial style meat grinder of schooling and bullshit. And, you know, growing up in a, in a household that wasn't necessarily able to educate me in a proper way and a school system that was able to educate me in a proper way. Some people are exposed to things at an earlier age. Some people get lucky. They have different people in their lives that can expose them to different things. It didn't, it took me a long time. I had to really go through a lot of shit, but in in the in keeping with the subject of mental health awareness month this is a problem that we're just you know that our solution is just to medicate people to deal with the society the shitty society that we've created let's just medicate people to deal and cope with the bullshit that we've laid down this bullshit system that we've constructed that we choose to believe in you know we we don't have to believe in this type of system we can create a new type of system. I think we see that emerging. You know, we see that emerging with alternative news sources and and places you go online. But the 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 main thing is that there really has to be a total departure, like a complete stepping outside of the paradigm of the of the old world archaic model uh, system. And you know, I've talked about this before, and I love this was in. Uh, I was I was just reading uh, Douglas Rushkoff's book Throwing Rocks at the Google Bus and he there was a, a sentence in there or a paragraph in there rather where he was talking about the way in which we structure uh businesses and the way in which we structure the economy and stuff that we're we're structuring things for quarterly reports and like short-term gains and kicking the can down the road passing the buck on to the next person we're playing for this kind of this finite game of winner takes all like win or loss. And we don't have to play that game that way. We can choose to play a different game. We can choose to respect each other's choices on which games we want to play. Now it gets even better because now we can actually respect people's choices and they can live in whichever way they want. It's we don't have to force anybody to conform to a certain way, but everybody should have the freedom to opt out to a better system to a, a system that appeals to them, you know, so I'm appeal. I like, I, I, I don't find the finite 
system appealing. I find the infinite system appealing. And in the book Finite and Infinite Games, they talk about this, about you know the point of the infinite game is to keep the game going. It's not to get to the end. You know, like uh, that great Alan Watts uh, quote that I love where he says, the point of life is like music. It's to dance. It's not just to get to the end. If it was to get to the end, then people would go to concert halls just to hear one big crashing cymbal at the end. You know, the point is to dance, to hear the music, to play, the journey along the way. It's to keep the game going. And that just seems like way more fun to me. You know, what what can we do to maximize the most amount of fun that we could be having in our lives right now? What can we do? And what that takes is, a lot of times what that takes is an unmasking, a masking off to really like be who you are. Be like, you know, I feel like so many people out there are uh, weird, eccentric, quirky, you know, just different, you know, and I see it more and more with the generation coming up that they're willing to kind of express that more. And that's awesome because that's what makes things interesting. That's where creativity comes from. That's where new solutions to problems that we never, you know, or not even problems, but just new things appear that we never even thought could be possible. So, you know, what what we have happening right now is we have this old dinosaur archaic model that's hanging on for dear life. And it wants to, if it has to, it will, it'll drag us all down into the sewer with it. You know, and it's, it's the, the, the connection of the, the big power, the, and it's not just, it's not necessarily the systems that have been created, but it's our belief in creating systems to serve us. It's, you know, it's, that's the biggest mistake. The biggest mistake is that we think that we can have these large kind of institutions and these belief systems that will protect us, that will save us, that will make us feel secure, that will give us some sort of meaning or purpose in our life. When that's not the case, you know, the, the, you can't attach yourself to any one thing. You have to just be able to walk in the uncomfortable realm of uncertainty and always trying to point the flashlight towards truth as possible. And I think when we do that, we have better relationships with each other. We understand each other more. You know, we we're able to communicate things that maybe we were afraid to communicate or that, you know, we just didn't know how to. But the truth is that everybody's the same. We're all the same. We think that we're struggling uh, you know, we think that we're struggling alone, but we're not. We're not alone. There's none of us are alone and there's nothing to be afraid of. And that 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 very notion right there probably contributes to more mental health problems than anything else. It's that that paranoid fear of trying to be perfect, trying to be normal, trying to fit in, trying to you know, dominate and control and to own, to own, to hold on to things because of a fear, of a deep, deep fear that we're not good enough because we're going to die. We're only mortal, you know? And this is something I think that circulates throughout the unconscious of, of everyone on the planet. And while many people aren't really able to articulate it, that doesn't mean that they're not feeling it. They, it, it doesn't mean that they don't feel that something's off, something's wrong, something's not not there. They're not complete. They're not whole. You know, what is that? You know, why is it that when when we go to, you know, music festivals or just events where everybody's synced up into having, like, everybody's there in the agreement of we're here to maximize pleasure, fun, love, compassion, joy, like the, the, you can feel it in the air. It's palpable. You know, you could slice it with a knife. It's this powerful energy.
but then we come back into into our you know quote unquote real world you know after the music festival has ended or the you know the lovely weekend or the vacation or whatever after it's ended we come back and we plug ourselves back into this mechanical world that we think is real that we're that we're that we're contributing hours of our lives to that we're never going to get back and what are we doing with that who are we serving what are we benefiting is there another way is there another way to do it i think there is I think there's a lot of ideas out there. But I think the main idea is respecting people's freedom and respecting people's uh, choices and honoring individuals and honoring direct experience and taking your mask off and being able to walk, you know, like face first right into the realm of truth because that's the most interesting place to be. I, I can't stand to be around people that are fake. I, it, it, and it's, most people are. And, that, and that's why I, I feel I have been very antisocial is because of that. You know, I've, what is that Terrence McKenna quote where he says, the, the price of sanity in this, uh, in this uh, culture is a certain level of alienation. It's true. You know, you have... You, if sometimes you may think that like you have there's something wrong with you that maybe you have a mental illness right we're talking about mental health awareness month so maybe you might think oh my god there must be something wrong with me what's wrong with me well i'm here to tell you that maybe maybe there is something inside of your you know genetic build up that contributes to it but I think that that's something that's un- that's uncontrollable, right? So we can't really control what you know is passed down to us through our genes. But what we can control is the environment around us, because that contributes to it greatly. Yeah, you know, it's like all these experiments that you see in in his- done in history. You know, like what's the I think the is it called the I don't want to fuck this up, but it's like the uh, Someone will tell me, but it's the it's the experiment where there's a couple of them. One was the experiment to see if authority, if people would listen to authority figures, and you one person was tasked with shocking the other person, and uh, the study proved that people will shock someone else because an authority figure tells them to. So there was that one, and then there was another experiment where uh, a bunch of people, ch- uh, professor had a bunch of people check his students into. His students rather checked into a mental hospital, and their job, their mission was to talk themselves out, and they couldn't. And and no matter what, they even they broke down. They look, this is part of a, a school project. My professor, you can call him, and they wouldn't listen. You know, so it's like, are they crazy, or you know, what's going on? Like, what was the mental hospital? What were they? What were they thinking? Right. I mean, they, you must be thinking, well, these people are crazy, of course, because they're in a mental hospital. And then there's that quote uh, that says, you know, most people will go crazy in a mental hospital just from being in a mental hospital. Like be, being there can make you crazy. And we all know that isolation can make you crazy because you're, you know, humans are social creatures. So when people, when, when, you know, prison, like this horrible system that we have, where we lock people in cages like animals. We shouldn't even be locking animals in cages. And uh, and we lock people in cages like that. Then the worst punishment we can do from there is putting putting them by themselves in a hole in a cell. Solitude. Solitary confinement. And maybe they'll lose their mind in there, you know, and then we'll say they're crazy. But are they crazy or is it the environment that made them that way? Yeah, I'll say I mentioned, you know, throwing animals in cages too. Like, you know, it's like same thing with like this factory farm thing that we have. You know, these animals are in there. They're stepping on each other's heads. They're stuffed up. They can't move. They develop, you know, they're sick, angry, confused. It's terrible. Horrible. 
but everybody just goes along. Everybody just, you know, kind of, cause it's a heavy trip. It's a heavy psycho psychological load to, to, to take on, to, to start to pick off the puzzle pieces and say, wow, you know, maybe the world that we live in isn't constructed to benefit, uh, the average human being. This isn't, this isn't a world that is aimed for me to succeed. Uh, this is a world that is actually aimed against me. And if I succeed, that's, you know, because, because of some amazing situation. And, and really, you know, the, the work of, uh, you know, Dr. Christopher Ryan and Daniel Pinchbeck and, uh, you know, reading Douglas Rushkoff right now, you know, definitely a bunch of other people as well. But, you know, the idea that we're, that we have these large entities and these systems that are like these super organisms that take on a life of their own and then the main goal is to keep growing and feeding that that super organism until it gets bigger and bigger and we're stuck on this we're stuck on this fear-based you know model we're stuck on this archaic model but people i don't you know this is why people say waking up because i think more and more people are actually snapping out of that they're 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 getting their one track reality tunnel is all of a sudden adding two and three and four tracks, and they're seeing reality from a different perspective. Uh, different perspective. And on this show, on Mikeadelic, I talk about you know personal stories, and I'll share things, and and I advocate the use of psychedelics because psychedelics will put you into a seeing things from a whole new perspective. You know, it's a it really is like a gateway drug. You know, there the, it's a gateway to mental sanity and clarity. If you use it with the right intention and the right purpose and the right set and setting, they could be great tools to pull back the veil, pull back the curtain to make you look around at everything and say, oh, wow, yeah, this is all absurd and weird and wrong. And we can make it better because we have the choice to make it better. You know, it's like it's like all of a sudden waking up. The first time I took LSD, it was like that. And it, it felt like, you know, waking up in the middle of a play, like in the middle of a production. And all of a sudden I was like conscious, like waking up in the middle of a dream. And I, and that's, you know, that's why they call it waking up. And that's why I think that this modern, uh, one of our, one of our modern myths, I guess, that we, we have right now because we don't have a lot of good myths we don't have a lot of good we don't have a lot of good personifications of of individual and collective human consciousness of human psyche you know the 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 myths that joseph campbell talks about the gods the upanishads and, and all these things they're all representations of what is going on inside of us you know, the God of rage, the God of light, the God of wisdom, the God of night, you know, all this stuff. It's all the emotions and, and mental cognition, like mental abilities in, inside of us. And, you know, instead of when, when I was talking about these children that are born into the world and they're shoved into this system, it's like we don't even tell them about this. We don't even tell them that they have all of these abilities and all of these kind of, you know, quote unquote gods living inside of, uh, of them. So we don't teach them, we don't teach them to go inward. We don't teach children meditation and, and those kinds of things. How we don't, we, we don't get trained how to use our minds. We're told what to, what to use them for, what to think, not how to. And that's the problem. That's why we see such suffering in the world. That's why we see such anguish and such pain and hatred and jealousy and people walking around thinking they're fucked up or they're mentally ill or something's wrong with them. So, you know, it's, I'm, I'm here to say that there's, you know, there, it's not, you know, if you're depressed, if you have anxiety, if you have stress, if you feel like there's something off, if you feel like there's something not right, if you feel like you're not complete, you're not whole, you're not full, you're right to a certain extent because there's something wrong with the environment in which we live. 
There's something wrong with the system in which we live in. And it's only when we discover who we are in the inside that we can then come to terms to, to acknowledge that and to start to think about that and not to be frightened about it because I think a lot of people are frightened about it. And, you know, when you take psychedelics, sometimes psychedelics can be a little bit frightening because it re they reveal, like they oftentimes reveal deep truths to you. You know, if you were to take if you were to take LSD and go to a factory farm or a slaughterhouse, I guarantee you, you'd probably never eat meat again. And not only that, but you'd probably be an uh, an activist rallying uh, against factory farms passionately. And that that is what is that's what meant about waking up. It's that slap in the face, that cold water bucket to your face, that says, "Hey, man." Look around you. Look at what's really happening. You know, if you t if you took LSD and went to a slaughterhouse, that would real. I mean, like you know, forget about going. You know, you go to a slaughterhouse, you might think, "Wow, that was that was a that was a crazy experience, right?" Like I, you know, that it might really hit you, and you might really consider, like, "Okay, I'm gonna lay off meat for a while." Maybe you do. But maybe eventually, maybe you'll creep back in. Maybe that memory will fade. You'll forget about it. If you were on, if you were to take LSD and go to a slaughterhouse, you would be horrified, and you would be sickened, and every fiber in your being would trigger this emotional response, and you would you would feel the suffering of that animal. You know, the, 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 they used to call these things telepathines, I think, because they, they thought they induced telepathy and. The CIA even experimented on, you know, trying to with remote viewing and mind reading and stuff like that with LSD experiments. So if you were to do that, I mean, you would really, 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 really be in that moment. You would be fully immersed in that version of reality that that version of reality that was happening in front of you would become you would become a part of you. And you would wake up to the truth of what you were seeing which is, you know, the slaughter of, of animals and, and whatnot. And I think, you know, that was, uh, I, th I remember reading something about the, uh, them administering uh, LSD to British soldiers and they didn't want to fight. They were just all like laughing and throwing sticks around and stuff. And they were, you know, they were just, they didn't, they didn't want to stand up and fight. They didn't want to do anything. So, It's, it's, you know, this, this whole notion that there's, you know, there's people that are, you know, mentally ill, there's people with sicknesses and diseases, and you got to take your Zoloft, and you got to take your Adderall, and you got to get, you got to get right, you got to cope, you got to deal, you got to fit in, you got to suck it up, you got to go. I mean, this is just all just a preposterous and tragic bunch of nonsense. And, and, you know, many people are getting caught up in it because it's, it's a wide net that gets cast out. And there's a lot of fish swimming, and they they get they get caught in it. And you know the the thing that we need to do is to really detach from all of the things that don't promote you know the freedom of the individual, um, you know, and and love and compassion and empathy and respect and care for the environment and uh you know a willingness to tell the truth and to educate uh the youth with wisdom and guidance and you know to totally reimagine all new ways of doing things and to totally reject the notion of aggressive force for people who don't want to comply but only using that aggressive force in in self defense if necessary. And so there's a lot of things that, you know, there's a lot of people that go through their lives and, and they get stuck in certain patterns, certain habits, certain rituals. And, and it just, the feeling of being depressed just becomes normal. The feeling of hanging, having anxiety just becomes normal to them. 
and it's the normalization of these pathologies of these of these of these you know sick patterns of behavior that is really the scariest of all because just like with with people kind of hurting themselves mentally by by succumbing to this kind of pathological behavior the same way that you know police officers and military people and and you know they're just, the people that just follow orders those are the people that usually carry out the world's biggest atrocities but they were just following orders at the time because they were just doing what they were told because they had been trained that that was noble and good and that there was wickedness in the world and it needed to be stomped out, that there's evil out there and we need to be afraid. But the real evil is inside of us. The real fear is inside of us. And Jordan Peterson, fucking Jordan Peterson, man, that guy is brilliant. He said something awesome on Joe Rogan recently where Jordan Peterson said, and he's right about this, you know, like comedians, they're tricksters. And, you know, maybe that's why I got that trickster image in the, in the, uh, with the coyote symbol when I, when I was doing, uh, when I, when I was drinking ayahuasca, because I do look at the world in a very kind of comedic way. I mean, in a lot of ways it's like a comedy. It's, it's, it's funny. Life is funny like that. And, uh, and absurd. And it's fun to make, make it look absurd and point it out, you know, to people. But Jordan Peterson said that, you know, like you, the, the comics know because they're like a mediary in between like the common people and the gods, because they're the ones that are able to kind of see the, the, the truth and the darkness they, they, they can see the light and the dark, darkness, darkness, so to speak. I think like I'm paraphrasing him, but something about that. Um, but but I, I have to agree with him in a certain sense because there is this this uh, this ability I think that you can kind of look at the world and just know that what you're seeing doesn't really necessarily fit. It doesn't seem right, and to point that out to other people, it could be kind of frightening for them. They could they could be a little startled by that because then it's like oh no, my version of reality doesn't add up with this other person's version of reality, so there must be something wrong here, and I or maybe there's something not right, or maybe there's something I don't understand. And for a lot of people, that's really a, a hard to grapple with, and they become emotional. And when they become emotional, be they, they become irrational. But yeah, it's like, you know, because you, you, Jordan Peterson was saying that it's you're, knowing the monster inside of you is what a lot, like, and knowing that you can control that is what gives you kind of the, the power because to, to understand the, or it gives you the knowledge to understand Hitler. So Jordan, yeah, Jordan Peterson was saying like, he goes, I understand Hitler. And he says, I don't want to understand Hitler, but I understand Hitler because I know that that is inside of me because I'm a human being. And I, he's right, you know, and he, he's totally right. He's, he's right because there is something inside of all of us, I believe, that is corruptible and, and susceptible to uh, some kind of neurosis to take over, lust for power, a lust for control. And it's an aspect. It's an aspect of the human. It's an aspect of the human game, you know. That's one aspect of being a human being. And I think for a lot of people, they, you know, and this is just in my experience, I oftentimes try and speak the unapologetic truth as I see it. I'm not saying that I know everything, I'm not saying that I'm correct on everything. I, you know, I'm not even confident on anything. I, I'm 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 a mess a lot of the time. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to figure things out and piece it together. I don't claim any kind of authority on any of this stuff. I'm just like, you know, so I'm just sharing and hopefully it resonates and it makes sense and, and we can get somewhere with this. But 
but I do know that side of me. I know the rage and the anger and I know the feeling and the power that comes along with that. Great power, you know. You feel like you have great power. But then when you get snapped back to reality, you realize that all that rage, all that evilness that you can conjure up, it doesn't 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 do anything. It doesn't satisfy you ultimately. And so, you know, kind of knowing that you can go to that place, but choosing not to, I think gives you a little bit more strength and gives you a little bit more of an understanding of the human condition and gives you a little bit more of an understanding of why power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely and why there's no right person that can wield the ring of power. You know, there's no... It's just, that's just the way, that's human nature. It's part of human nature. But we don't think that way. And, you know, there's a lot of people that we deem to be like mentally ill and people think there's something wrong with them. We try and fit everybody in this cookie cutter society. This, you know, we try and have this materialist, rational, reductionist kind of view of everything where we want to quantify everything. We want to measure everything. We can't accept things like the spirits or, you know, uncertainty or we can't just give we can't just give in to the mystery and to the wonder of of, of the magic of life. You know, like to me, not understanding or understanding that you're never gonna understand is true understanding. It's like I, I have an understanding that there's a lot of things that I'm just not gonna understand and I never will. And I think that is the only kind of true understanding that you can have. You know, who who is it? Aristotle that said, uh, you know, I know that I know nothing. So, but that's, that's, this is what we have to teach people from an early age. And we have to bring people up into a world. It's like it's like attending a party and you get to the party and the party, you know, there's like people fighting and there's, you know, people, it's just like, what, what kind of party do we want to have here on planet Earth where we, where we birth humans into existence? What kind of game do we want to play? And who's preventing us from doing that? Who's stopping us? Who's saying that we can't? Um, Ultimately, you know, we we wind up living in this kind of bland and boring uh, vanilla world that we've created to kind of package everything up for us to make it all nice and neat so we feel comfortable, so we feel secure, and so we feel like we are going to live forever in some way or another. But we're not. We're only here for a finite period of time. But we want to play the infinite game. We want to play the infinite game because that's the game that keeps going. The the fun, fun game to play is the game that we just keep it going. And so we really need to start helping each other, being open for each other, creating spaces for each other where we can let people know that it's okay to talk about how they see things, how they feel about things. And that's the only way that we're going to actually try and, you know, move the needle into a different direction where we have a more loving and compassionate society of people that aren't imposing their their will on others and aren't projecting their own fears onto the the larger society. But it's good that we have more and more people now coming out and talking about this as serious issues because sometimes we can feel like we're all alone on this and that there's something maybe wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with us. You know, we're all born perfectly. It's what happens to us afterwards that becomes the problem. The environment in which we grow up in and the, the systems of control and the way that the these these old world power structures distort the natural ebb and flow of humanity is what makes people develop all of these kinds of illnesses and diseases and, you know, what we call mental illness. You know, in the hunter-gatherer kind of like shamanic cultures, they live with, you know, psychedelic brews like ayahuasca and, and other things like that, iboga and some tribes, and they live 
in a realm of expanded consciousness. And as I mentioned, you know, men, young boys go through a, a rite of passage. They go through an initiation. And that's something that really helps them step into the next stage of life. And by living in these kinds of expanded realms of consciousness, these expanded views of perception, there's more of an acceptance to uh, all kinds of different ways that we can use our minds and ways in which we think and ways in which we feel. We really have like superpowers. You know, our mind is so powerful. Our Us as human beings are so powerful. And for people to tell us that there's something wrong with us because we're depressed or we're anxious or something like that, that's that's wrong. There's something wrong with the society. There's something wrong with the culture. Because in in these indigenous tribes where they're they're growing up in the in this way where they have more of an understanding of an expanded consciousness, there's more of an understanding of the power that resides within the individual. People have respect for individuals and they honor the direct experience that each individual has. You know, when you take psychedelics, like you know, if you're doing like deep psychedelic work on yourself to heal and you're going for a healing therapeutic intention with, you know, let's say for, for example, with ayahuasca, you're really kind of opening up and allowing all of the things that you, uh, you know, that, that are going on inside of you to come out. So you know where it's coming from. You know, you know, when I drank ayahuasca, I understood where my anger was coming from, where my depression was coming from. I had a clearer vision. I think it was Victor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, that says, once we have a clear vision of what ails us, it no longer has power over us and control over us. And so I think by allowing, by, by coming out of the psychedelic closet, by speaking out and talking about how psychedelics have helped us, or by introducing psychedelics to people who are going through some trouble, some trauma, PTSD, depression, anxiety, something like that, it opens up a whole new way of, of exploring consciousness, where people can sometimes feel like they're stuck in a certain kind of way of being, and they get into, the, into these pathological behaviors, as I mentioned, the kind of normalization. You know, it's like this Marshall McLuhan quote where he says, fish do not discover water, because they are completely immersed in it. They live unaware of its existence. Similarly, when we conduct, uh, excuse me, when uh, a conduct or a behavior is normalized by a dominant cultural environment, it becomes invisible. It becomes the normal. So a lot of people are stuck in these kind of pathologies and these, in these systems of behavior that we've created. It's like, it's like only having, it's like having cable television, but only having access to one channel. You're only having one frequency. You're only tuned into one frequency. But with psychedelics, and the reason why I love psychedelics so much is because, you know, all these reports always come out, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's like, you know, there's so many great studies, Johns Hopkins, um, you know, MAPS, uh, David Nutt in the UK, like there's so many studies that are coming out that show, you know, look, psilocybin and Robert Barnhart, who was on the show, talks about how in his documentary, Psilocybin, A New Understanding, the science of psilocybin talks about how people who are at the end of their lives who are experiencing terminal illnesses use psilocybin to ease the tension of death. And that's a big fear for a lot of us because we grow up in this culture that is taught to fear, fear everything, fear death, fear, you know, worry. Are you normal? Are you okay? Are you, you know, if you're, you know, all these kinds of ailments and, and things like that. But the, the studies, they come out and it's like, look, yeah, psychedelics can be good MDMA can be good for people with PTSD. You know, psilocybin can help people with at uh, who are terminally ill and, and uh, you know help them cope with death better. LSD can help depression. Ayahuasca can help depression and things like that. And, and addiction, and addiction, and these are all you know they become these coping mechanisms. And we use drugs and we use food and we use everything to fill the void and we push everything away and we stay afraid because that's what the culture tells us to do. But if we turn our frequency and we turn the channel. We open up the door, you know, the doors of perception, as Aldous Huxley would say, opens us up. 
And then we can step into the, the realm of the real and we can take our masks off and we can be real with each other and we can talk about all these problems. I'm not afraid to talk about this. I'm, I, you know, I know I'm messed up. I'm, I'm on a journey to, to get better, to be better, to always learn more, to grow and to be better. And we can all help each other. And as Ram Dass says, we're all just walking each other home. You know, we're all helping each other get home. Because we're born, we're perfect, and there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to fear. Everything is perfect. And, you know, if we have more of the encouragement of, 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 of these kinds of substances and this kind of mindset, you know, even with meditation and with breathing and things like that, it opens the doors to, to new ways of thinking, calmer, peaceful ways of thinking, and ways to identify your problems so you can conquer them so they no longer have power over you. And so, you know, I just want to end this with basically, you know, with Mental Health Awareness Month being May and, you know, the, 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 the research coming out with all these great psychedelic therapies, you know, it's like, yeah, duh, anybody that's ever taken psychedelics knows like, wow, yeah, what a wonderful world. What an amazing life experience. What an amazing journey it is to be a human being in this body, in this incarnation, in this time right now. And, you know, with the power that we have is limitless. We have so much power if we just go inside of us and we can unshackle all the chains that bind us to the fear that the culture programs inside of us, that the toxic culture wants us to conform and to just strip our identities away so they can sell us back, you know, cheap imitations of, of, of things that don't serve us, you know, but really it's, it's us. It's, 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 it's not, nobody communicates for the individual. Nobody communicates what's right for, for us individually. Because we have this machine culture that just shoves everybody through the meat grinder, you know? We don't need no education. Just march along, follow orders, obey. If you don't fit in, there's something wrong with you. You know, there's not, there's not something wrong with you. So I hope that I was able to communicate everything that I wanted to hear and talk a little bit about my history with mental illness and my struggles with depression and anger and you know my journey to to heal myself and to to know myself and to know my power that lies inside of me in my heart in my in my mind in my soul in my spirit and share that with with everybody and know that you're not alone that we're going through this together and that we're all here for each other and that we can help each other. We can help each other build a new world. And that we don't have to wait. We can do it now. We can do it right now. And all it takes is just the willingness to confront yourself and to confront the society at large and, and say, there's something wrong here. And we need to stand up and put down everything that's holding us back and walk out into the, into the realm of the real and to the truth. And, you know, really, we have, to, we have to do this now so we can help the future. So we can, you know, we're at a crucial time right now in our history where we're transitioning. And, you know, I mentioned before, like, we're waking up. I think one of our modern myths of waking up is the myth of uh, artificial intelligence. You know, we see this with shows like Westworld and, the Ma and you know, Matrix and, you know, all these other... Um, you know, iRobot and things like that. It's it's not technology that's awakening. I think the you know the big fear that everybody has is that technology is going to wake up, become conscious, and then enslave humanity. No, the the that's a that's a metaphor. The metaphor is that we need to wake up. Human beings need to wake up. It's not robots that need to wake up and gain consciousness. It's human beings that need to wake up and gain consciousness. And the way that we do that is by sharing this with other people, talking with other people about this, communicating with other people about the benefits of psychedelics, about breathing, about, about meditation, about you know just changing the dial on the television to experience different realities, different frequencies of, of reality. And then piecing it all together, learning from our mistakes and learning from the past, uh, the past, and saying no more will we have, you know, kids be be shoved into this system. We're going to treat every being on this planet with dignity and respect. We're going to treat children with dignity and respect. Oftentimes, children know more than adults, and we can really learn a lot from children. I have a little nephew that I learn so much from, 
It's amazing to watch him figure things out and move around and, you know, open things and close things and, and just figure things out. You know, it's, it's like, it reminds me of like when I take like mushrooms or something, it's like you, you get back to this primal state of being that we all are. And the more and more that people wake up, the more we are able to get back to the primal state of who we are, the more and more we're able to connect with each other. And we'll, the, that's when we'll, we'll be able to figure out what's bugging us. And, and that's when we'll be able to figure out how to solve complex problems that we didn't think were solvable because we'll be coming up with new solutions that we never even dreamed of because we're going to be open and we're going to be honest and we're going to be living without shame and without fear and without guilt. And one of those is eliminating the belief that we need some kind of grand authority to tell us what to do and what to wear and how to think. We need to learn how to think for ourselves. We need to trust in our guts and trust in our minds and open up our hearts. You know, I like to say sometimes psychedelics can make you go out of your mind, but they make you go into your heart. You know, sometimes you have to go out of your mind before you go into your heart. And I just think that this is this is the time, you know. It's like there's there is no past, there is no future, there's only right now. It's like what are we waiting for? You know, there's so much great work being done, but we have to be warriors. We have to fight for for, for what is right, for what is our birthright. You know, anything else is tragic, you know, falling in line with somebody else's plans or with somebody else's things, you know, it's like I think Terrence McKenna used to say, you know, you better have a plan. Otherwise, you're going to be a part of somebody else's plan. And of course, you know, there are good things happening, especially people that have severe cases of mental illness. We need to we need to come together and to treat them in a more of a community way, you know, rather than ostracizing them from the community and stigmatizing them and drugging them up and putting them in mental hospitals and things like that. It's like we need to all come together as a community and say, yes, we're all hurting. We all have a hole inside of us. There's all something there's something wrong. There's something wrong with us in a sense that we're we're being told that there is because of the society and the culture that we live in has constructed it to be that way but we all know you know from doing deep work and psychedelic work and being introspective and looking in that we can uncover that and we find out that we're all just beautiful beings of light we're all just beautiful beings of love and light and with that i'll just say Thank you for listening, everybody. And if you're a fan of the show and you really enjoy these podcasts and you feel like you get something from it, please go on to iTunes and leave me a nice rating and review. We got a lot. We got 46 five-star ratings and reviews. They're amazing. And I really love getting them. And it helps the podcast grow. And I'm able to get new guests and, and do all kinds of different things on this show that I like doing. But I love doing these episodes where I get to communicate my thoughts about stuff. And, you know, please give me some feedback if you guys find that you get value from this. I'm always interested in hearing. You know, you guys are, are you guys help me and I help you. It's, it's a feedback loop. We're all in this thing together. And, you know, we should be able to go out and have fun and explore our consciousness and expand our minds. And I'll just say, you know, with that closing thought, you know, it's tough because, like I said, in the theme of this podcast has been it's tough because we have this system that we live in that doesn't want us to do that because they fear it. The established power fears an awakened public. The established power fears people that discover their inner power because when we discover our inner power and we discover the, the, the possibilities that we have, the control that we have over our minds and the power of love that's so strong and that's so powerful that can't be stopped by anything, you know, nothing can stop an idea whose time has come and that idea is love and freedom and peace. And when we open that up and we, we discover, when we go inside of ourselves and we share with others and we spread the meme, we spread this, we share this and we spread this. It's, it's something that can't be stopped, that no army or no government can stop. And the established power wants to stop that. They don't want people who are smart. They don't want people who are awake. They don't want people to know that their inner power and, their, and that there's an expanded consciousness, that there's more channels on the television that we can turn to. There's more frequencies of reality that we can turn into. They don't want that because it's not in their interests. They operate in the old world. That's why I call them old world power structures. They're dying out. They operate in the old world dominator way of fear and control. Fuck that. 
We're moving towards love and light and sharing and caring and openness and happy, happiness and health for everybody. I hope everybody has good mental health and do whatever you need to do to get by in this world, but share it and care for each other and talk about these things and love each other. Love each other and tell the truth, as Ram Dass would say. All right. Thank you very much. Till next time. Peace.